I have something brand new that I'm super excited to share with you. It's called the Community Creators Hub, and I've made it just for you. You can search through every episode of this podcast by keyword, download all of my favorite guides and resources, and find all of my recommended tools for community creators. And the best part? It's completely free. Just go to Community Creators Hub, that's Community Creators Hub, H-U-B, dot com to get your free access. Welcome back for part two of our interview with Karen Crabtree, eight-figure membership owner and founder of No BS Women. In the first part of this interview, we broke down how she got where she is today, the challenges she's facing right now, and where she's going in the future. You definitely want to listen to that if you haven't yet, so go back and listen to that episode. Now, in this part, we actually had lots of you submit questions to ask Corinne. So this is a Q&A with Corinne, who's an eight-figure membership owner, and she gives you lots of wisdom and insight, even talking about how she balances her family and her business. So tune in and make sure to go back and listen to part one if you haven't yet. This is for you, the online business owner who wants to maximize your profit and multiply your impact. I'm Shanna, host of the Community Creators Podcast. I've spent over a decade helping top brands and entrepreneurs create thriving communities that increase their reach, retention, and revenue. This podcast is where I share my best insights and invite you into conversations with the world's leading community creators and cultivators. So grab your favorite mug, fill it up, and let's get started. So I've got some questions that have been submitted that I want to make sure we get to. And they're all over the place. So they could lead us down some fun little rabbit trails, but we'll see. (laughs) I love this first one. And it's a common question that I get asked to because we're in different life stages. I have the little kids. I've got our older one that's got her own now. And then I have the three littles at home. And you have Logan. But Logan also has some special needs as well. So this question about how do you manage work-life balance as a mom? I want you to answer this because I know you have gone through different seasons of it. And you've also been pretty honest about how your priorities have shifted. And you haven't always had like the cookie cutter, like family first, church first, this first, and then the business kind of priorities. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So I don't really believe in balance. I think it's so overused. Here's a couple of things. Number one is one of the first things I had to learn is when I'm at work, I don't have time to feel guilty for not being with Logan because that's mentally exhausting. And then when I'm with Logan, I don't have time to be thinking about all the things that I didn't do because then I just feel bad and that's mentally exhausting. So if I wanted to have more energy, I had to figure out how am I going to cut out unnecessary suffering in my life? And if you are literally without your kid, it does you zero good to sit there and think you should be with them. You should be doing better. It's like, no, you're at work. I just always tell myself, this is not when we think about Logan. This is when we work. And when I'm with Logan, I'm like, this is not when we think about work. We have time to do that. So just drawing that hard line for me, it's not easy in the beginning because your brain is going to want to do all that, especially as women. We tend to think we're supposed to be everything. And then we end up being a little bit of almost nothing to ourselves. I just drew that line. I got really good at that. The other thing was I really had to be honest with myself about the kind of mother I was. I am not a touchy-feely mom. And I had to quit beating myself up for not being what you see on television or like I had a lot of girlfriends that 
literally would lick their kid's butt if they could. I mean, they just love them. I was never that mother. I was always just like borderline annoyed that I had to do something. (laughs) So I decided to think about if no one had ever told me what being a mother was supposed to be, how would I define it? And one of the things, and I talked to my husband about it because he and I have a great relationship. And he said, you're just the one that's really good at making the money. He said, you're also the one that is really good. Like I used to take Logan to therapy. He said, you're really good at making sure he's getting everything he needs. But I'm really good at talking to him. And I'm really the one that's good at connecting with him. I think more like him. And he was like, I don't know why you feel bad that you aren't everything to him. And when he said that to me, it was so, like it literally took my breath away. It was the first time that I was like, okay, I don't have to keep beating myself up for being a woman who enjoys running a business. That was my happy place. And when I was with Logan, it freed me up to be like, you know what? I'm going to enjoy him in little spurts. And I remember when this was during COVID, I'd gotten coached because very often I would work. And during COVID, I worked a lot. My clients were all at home. Zoom was crazy. If we weren't online all the time, they were eating their face off. So I was really with my community a lot during COVID. Well, when I would get done, all I wanted to do was have like an hour to myself. And there would be Logan. Logan has autism. And he would literally be bouncing up and down waiting to talk to me about, you know, like Russian opera and (laughs) whatever he's been learning about. Yeah. Like North Korea politics, you know, just like stuff that when you have been on all day, you're like, no, (laughs) like (laughs) I don't want to. And I remember crying and saying, what a bad mother I am. I've been working all day and I don't even want to spend five minutes with him. And she said, Corinne, in the moments when you're annoyed, frustrated, but you listen I think that's actually the best mothering. It's not because you're enjoying it. It's because in the moments when you'd rather be anywhere else, you choose to be there anyway. And I mean, I bawled and I was like, best thing I ever heard. And from that moment on, I decided that whatever I'm doing with Logan is now called mothering. You know, I'm never harming him. I'm just not mothers you see on TV. Yeah. You know, and that's okay. And I think a lot of us who are entrepreneurial, whatever you want to say, like, it's like I always tell Chris, like, you know, aren't you glad you got you a sugar mama? Like, well, I make all the money. <laughs> and he's like, I'm very glad. Yeah. <laughs> like, Casey's the same way. He's like, I'll be a stay at home dad as long as you want me yes, to. Yes. Chris is like, I have no problems. But like, I think we are hard on ourselves and we need to celebrate ourselves. Like, it's, There's nothing wrong with that. And I think that there's going to be generations of women after us who are setting that example, who are going to have the freedom to actually care about themselves, do what they need with their kids, but not feel like they have to burn both candles until they're burnt out. And I think that's especially challenging. I mean, I know you grew up in a Christian Catholic background. I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but being in the South, you kind of, you develop Christian mindset, if you will. Whether you want to or yes, not. <laughs> whether you want to or not. And I could argue all day long with people about whether that's like a truly biblical mindset. But the thing that I think is so compelling is that, yes, like you are gifted the stewardship of Logan and being his mom, but you are also very clearly gifted. Like God has ordained you, if you will, to help all of these women. And you can't 
neglect that calling. You can't neglect that gifting to say like, well, but I'm supposed to be a mom. So that's what I'm going to do. I think you've really done a good job of seeing what you're doing in your business as a mission, as a calling, as a gifting and giving it just as much time and energy and passion while still being able to be a wife and a mom and have fun. I mean, it's not like you don't. I think people think you probably never go out and have fun. Yeah. And I do go out and have fun. Like I don't work around the clock. I start my day pretty early. To be real honest, most of my days end at about three to four o'clock in the afternoon. I start at five in the morning. I take a break for a couple of hours. I usually you know, work out. I have my coffee, eat my breakfast, get ready, all that kind of stuff. And then I go back to work. But I'm not really sharp after, like even before we started this podcast, I was teasing you. I was, I promised to quit yawning yeah. because we're in my sleepy window. Yep. I'm just always wondering, when is it too early to go to bed? I don't work all the time and I do have fun. We go to Vegas frequently, but I will say for entrepreneurs, we cannot forget when you own your own business, you are signing up for the mission of working a lot. Okay, let's go to another question. Was there ever a moment when you felt that the business wasn't growing or was starting to decline? What was your thought process that helped you get out of the funk or the lull? That would be the last couple of years. I always set big goals. For a long time, I was always doubling, which is really fun in your business when you're doubling or you're making a few extra million dollars and stuff. Well, for after 2020, we've kind of been hanging at 13 million. This is the first year that we are breaking over 14 and it's taken us a couple of years. And my goal has been 20 since then. The best way that I've worked through it, I have my pity party. I'm like everybody. I'm going to get frustrated. I'm going to get upset. But I used to just yell at people to show my distaste for not reaching my goals. Now what I do is I really sit and I think about it and I tell myself it is normal to be disappointed when you don't make your goals. I think what I used to do is get angry and try to blame and do stuff. And now what I do is like, it is normal to be disappointed, but let's figure out, all right, here's two things we know. We're not quitting. We don't have to indulge in all that crap. And we're going to keep going. So if we're going to keep going, then just reset. Now, what do you want to do? And I'm really good now about pulling things apart, looking at what's working, what's not. We make a lot of changes. And I feel like because we've been for two years, very rock solid on not making our current level of success a bad thing. Like I just always tell myself, you're disappointed you didn't make your goal, but if you're making 13, $14 million a year at 40% profit, this is called a champagne problem. I just tell myself, get a grip. It is not like the end of the world's happening. You're just not meeting goals that you are setting for yourself. So that sometimes it's just like, I don't know, checking yourself a little bit. Don't be in such a pity party. And then we just pull it apart. We do a lot of postmortems. We do more postmortems now than we ever have. And that's just simply where every launch, every event, anything big, a workshop that we do for our clients, whatever, a new program that we release, we do postmortems when they're over because we're always like, you know what? We should always be trying to improve everything. Let's not just sit around and hope we get to our goals. Let's put in processes in our business that make it really hard to miss them. So we've been doing that for a couple of years too. I watch a lot of people just do the same launches over and over again, hoping that it'll change. And I'm like, the only way a launch gets better is if you do a detailed postmortem and then make a few changes, try again, then try again, and then try again. 
and it's been working for us. I would love it if we were growing faster, but the thought I always tell myself is it's a matter of time. I don't know when the big growth spurt, the next one's going to happen, but I don't want to miss it because I'm sitting around feeling sorry for myself or not trying to find it. So I want to be prepared when it comes. And I think one of the questions on here is about like those pivotal moments that have accelerated growth in your membership. And I think behind this question is like, well, what did you do to like make growth accelerate? And I think it's fair to say you probably know what those things are, but if you did those today, they probably wouldn't accelerate growth in the same way. It's different for every stage in the journey. Um, This one question I think is fascinating because they said, how do you scale without relying on social media marketing? One of the things that you all do really well is you leverage lots of different awareness outlets, if you will, but you don't hang your hat on like, you're not even on TikTok. You know, you're not like, oh, this is the latest thing. There's TikTok, there's threads, there's this. We got to get on that or our business is going to fail. Can you talk a little bit about just sort of what your mindset is around marketing? We do ads. I will say we've been working on them for a long time. They work pretty good for it. They're expensive. It's not like a rainmaker like everybody thinks. It costs us on the weight loss side right now. I think our cost per customer is about 100. And I think the last time we checked a few weeks ago was 189. And our lifetime value is like right under $1,000. Yeah, when you say the dollar, but most people, this is the difference. I have enough money coming into my business now to where I can pay up front. I am betting people that lifetime value will stay high because of how I will treat them and do everything. But when you're first starting out, That's not how it works. You have to have enough money to pay over to be able to eventually press that. Same thing happens in the business. I think the average cost per customer is around like $550. Their lifetime value is around $2,200. We do ads. I am on social, but I will tell all of you, it is not like we just pre-schedule everything. We do one post a day. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. That's it. I think we are now uploading videos to YouTube. Maybe. (laughs) Possibly. (laughs) I would never bet my life on that. After 15 years and $10 million later, we might try a a thousand videos. I am sure we have thousands of videos that we could be doing it, but we just decided we were going to be on a main platform and we were just going to really focus there, the podcast, but getting on other podcasts, it's literally consistency. I mean, when people listen, I am not an overnight success. I didn't just start yesterday. I put in the work. I don't think it takes people as long as me. I think the success timeline can be really tightened up now. Especially nowadays. There's so many people that have gone before that they have the shortcuts and the tools. Like you were talking about lead pages. Oh my gosh. I remember all of that. We had to build everything ourselves. There weren't like These Canva templates where it's like, you should see some of my early graphics because I was still doing them in Word. Try to make a graphic in Word. Then you can complain because Canva is like manna from heaven. But I think it's just a lot of consistency, a lot of like showing up. And when you're in the early days, you got to do like what I did. I was talking about my business everywhere and to anyone that would listen. And I pretty much still do that now. I just now have a paid medium. We've took us years to get good at it, but it's still the whole mindset of you are going to have to talk about your business thousands times more than you ever think you're going to have to. And you are going to have to overcome shame and worry and what they all think. And 
in the beginning, even in the business membership. I've been doing marketing for years on the weight loss side. The first six months, every time I tried to tell somebody about what that business membership was like, it was butchered. (laughs) But I just knew if you talk about it long enough, eventually one day you're going to say it in a way you're going to be like, ooh, that sounds good. And you'll remember it. And that is how I do everything. I'm like, it is better to get a ton of reps and a few wins than to be sitting around and trying to get your just one shot. Yeah. Because you're not going to get one shot. And trying to make it perfect, too. You're sitting there, like, refining the messaging yourself and never actually testing it with the market. And I think that's something I know I need to get better at because I always talk about my course sales or whatever it is. And the thing that always comes back around is, well, you just don't talk about it enough. Like, you actually don't try and sell it enough. Like, you just think people are magically going to know that this is what you have. And finding ways to, like, get those reps in and just talk about it more, I think, is really valuable. All right, this question I love, this comes from a friend and client who says, what is the difference in having a 5,000 person membership versus like 13, 15,000? The concept of max threshold continues to feel like it's keeping a ceiling on possibility. She says, to what extent is having all of these more members simply more customer acquisition versus retention? Like, what does it take to get, and I will say this, a lot of my clients are at that point. It's like this 5,000 member mark. I don't know what it is about that mark. I think it is where your retention really needs to go up and your acquisition needs to go up too. But can you talk about that kind of like for those that get stalled out at that point? It's like really dial that retention in because one of the things that like we run into at our level right now, it's kind of the same thing. It's like if I could get one more percent in retention and one more percent on conversion, the numbers show how fast we would grow. And so a lot of times I think in those stages, we're looking for like the big thing we need to change. It is you're dying by a thousand cuts. It is looking at all the little things in your membership. At 5,000, I will say, I don't think there's any difference between managing a community of 5,000 and managing a 13,000. It is the same stuff. It's you thinking about though, Probably if I'm a 5,000 membership, I may not have enough support inside the membership to where I can be doing more, like me personally doing, focusing on the marketing and getting, but teaching the support on the inside of the membership, how to keep the people. You just have to get better at keeping, because the bigger your membership gets, you're just going to have more people leaving all the time. And you really want to like watch that. And also watch the percentage, because I don't know if your people have this same problem, but when I saw how many people were leaving each week, when I saw the actual <laughs> number, I would freak out. Oh, and yeah. I would just be like, we're drowning. The business is going to hell. It's all coming. The house of cards is falling. But then when I would look at the number, the number was still stable. I think a lot of times when we are used to not looking at percentages, don't get swept away with numbers. Look at percentages instead guide by percentages because those numbers are going to scale, but the the percentage will tell you the difference. I just wanted to say that because it took me a long time before I realized I don't need to put so much energy and effort into 80 people left this week. It's like, are we still holding at 92.5? If we're holding at 92.5, the 80 is not bad. I want that to be higher, but really focusing on that. But I don't know. I, I don't think there's a big difference in how those operate. It's just... If you're trying to do 5,000 people like you did for 500, I don't think you'll grow anymore because you really have to start. I think one thing, too, is you have to start teaching your members how to be okay 
with an ever-growing membership. One thing that I did really well, because my people would freak out, like when we were 150 and I was like, oh, we're going to get to 500. I had a big group of them like, oh no, it'll be too big. No one will get any attention. You won't be able to help us. It won't be personal anymore. I really listened to their complaints, their ahead of time complaints. And I really thought about, number one, it's my job to market to them how growing is better for all of us. It's also my job to figure out how do we scale intimacy? If you are intimate in your membership, I'm always talking to my team about when we scale, we scale with intimacy. There are ways to make sure people feel seen and heard. It's getting clever with it. Like my Wednesday calls is a good example. I don't do all of them live anymore. A lot of times I'm now traveling or have something else I have to do, but I know my members love me on the Wednesday calls. So I pre-record them. And then I have a coach who just says like, welcome everybody. It's today's call. Let's hear from Corinne. And they just play the video. I just do it like I'm live. And at the end, they end it's like, all right, now what questions do you have? And they're just answering the questions. And I always tell my members, this is great. This means that every week I can be with you instead of like launching it out there as a new thing and not telling them how to think about it. And that's another thing. Don't let your members decide how to think about your program changes. Sell them. You're a marketer. If you're in business online, you have to be a marketer. In a membership, you want to tell them why this is going to be better, why this is great. Tell them all the excitement, get their buy-in. Never just change something and be like, I hope you like it because the human brain will always find problems with change. Do you want to make sure they understand this is why this change is amazing for you? When I work with clients on retention, a lot of it is me looking at them and going, you already know how to do this. You're already doing it to get people in the door. Our marketing brain like goes in the toilet or something and we forget all of that messaging and building belief and reselling the value and all of that really comes into play with retention as well and keeping your customers longer. And I love like just that concept around how you're bringing value to your members and scaling intimacy. One of the things that I think is great with working with your team, you all have implemented a lot of things that I've suggested to other clients and they won't do because it feels like they're going backwards because it's high touch. And I keep explaining to them, like, that's what's going to keep people. That's what's going to set you apart, especially in a world where automation is becoming more and more valued and AI is becoming more and more prevalent. Use that stuff to create space for your team to show up. And you all are doing these small group coaching calls for every new member, which we tested with just mm -hmm. a pilot. We proved that it worked. We looked at the numbers. And now it's like, if you become a member of no BS, you are going to be able to get on a small group call with a coach to get the support that you need. And people would think that's absolutely insane to do that for a membership of your size, but you know the value of that. So you're willing to invest in the team and the time that it takes because the ROI is there. Oh, for sure. I have a big belief that I would rather throw a human at it than a computer at it if they're going to be talking to another human. Like I am all about high personal touch. On both sides, honestly, I can't think of anything that I would start where that would not be one of my core values. But on the weight loss side, we're wanting to go. I don't even know if we've told you, we might not even told you this yet. Every member gets a small group call every quarter. I think the first three months, they should have a 30, 60, 90. And yeah. then after that, every three months. 
so that you know that we are always touching base because in weight loss, they have different seasons. They have different challenges and stuff. And I just feel like I'm going to make more money the more success my clients have. And if I can give them a 15-minute small group call or a 20-minute small group call and they get the help they need, it helps them and they want to stay, which helps us. I don't understand when people don't want to do that. Like it's literally baffling to me when people don't want to do that. And you also see the, they get to see the value of the coaches, which you have the add-on of one-on-one coaching packages Uh that people can invest in if they want to go deeper. Getting them exposed to coaches, getting them to see the value in coaching. It's like Costco when you get to like taste test the food and you end up buying a big bag of something you never thought you'd buy. There's business value even beyond just the retention piece. It's like you have this one-on-one group coaching packages that you want to fulfill, but people often need a taste of coaching. They've never experienced that. Yeah. We never really talked about it when I was talking about how my business is set up, but like once they join and they do some stuff, they can buy a one-on-one coach for $4.97 a month and they can just add it onto their membership. And then we have an event each year. We just do so much. Like I just think about my clients. I know they all won't be able to afford everything. I was actually talking in one of my groups today about it because we actually have a another offer that we just, it's a test offer that we just launched. And you sold out in like eight, 12 minutes? Eight minutes. Eight minutes. <laughs> it was like that. Somebody actually a counted A $3,000 offer that sold out in eight minutes for 150 people. That is the power of community. That was the thing that I was telling people was like, my job is to make sure that the base membership at $59 is everything you need. But it's also to give our members additional supports that some of them might need. I always think about it this way when it comes to our one-on-one coaching or our group coaching. I'm just like, I'm going to make my money off the main membership. But I like offering one-on-one because I have people in my group who need very specialized help. I have binge eaters. I have women in divorce situations that need someone to help them make the decision They have needs outside of weight loss, and I want to be there for them because that impacts their long-term health journey. We're just big believers in, I'm going to have offers for everyone, but my main offer should be more than enough for anyone. The rest of it will just seem, I like it when my members think, I know I don't need that. If I know someone who does, but I don't, I feel like I have everything and some in the membership. That's such a great mindset. I was talking to a friend the other day about my new like group consulting program that I'm working on. It's like, well, my worry is that people aren't going to want to do one-on-one consulting with me anymore. She's like, that's what you should want. She's like, you should have an offer that is so good that it does cannibalize it. And Mm -hmm. then people are going to get into that offer and they're going to realize, you know, maybe they do want more done for you. They want more customization. And so they will work one-on-one with you. But she's like, stop trying to like do this like value ladder of, oh, I'm going to withhold that here because then they're not going to buy this more expensive thing. And that's exactly what you're talking about is like showing up and providing as much value that you possibly can that's viable for the business and helping them get results. And then there's a select few that want to go deeper and you have that opportunity for them as well. Tell me a little bit about the business membership before we wrap up, because I know I was eager for you to launch something because I've been in all the business memberships, as I know many people listening have. And oftentimes business memberships are from people who are are 
not in the online space, they wouldn't be considered like a newer business owner, but they are. They haven't had their business for a decade. They haven't reached that $10 million mark. They don't have big teams of 30 people. They haven't had to deal with lots of failures and leadership and really that type of stretching where you have to really know your numbers. You have to stop doing everything. You have to learn how to hire. You have to learn how to fire. You have to learn how to train and do all of that kind of stuff. Now you have this business membership. Tell me who the business membership is for, what your hope is, like what's your vision for that right now? So it's for the brand new to business. I like to say zero to 300K. I have a big passion. Like I almost think it's a disservice for us to tell coaches who want like coaches, course creators, consultants and stuff who think like 100K is going to change their life. You are not getting 100K. I have a baller profit margin at 40%. And I think people in order to exit a job to really make this like a serious career move needs to be at the 300K level. Oh, for sure. Especially in this economy. It's insane. I had 10 years of experience. And when I went back into launching kind of this new shift and we were running the numbers, and now Casey's involved with the numbers. He's never really been before. He gets involved in the numbers a few years ago. And he's like, what? This is what goes in our pocket after the top line revenue? I'm like, yes, honey. Yes, this is why, you know, I'm always looking at those numbers. So it's for those people. It's for the person who is, number one, they need an affordable option because they are making less money or they're just starting out, but they want like a one-stop shop. When I was sitting there thinking about my business membership, people kept coming to me for years, wanting advice, wanting me to talk to them. I was mentoring people and I was coaching in other groups. Like I love helping people with business. So I decided, I think I'm going to start a business membership. And I thought, what would I want? What is that thing that at that early stage that I'd really want to have? And number one is I would want somebody to just tell me how to do things. I get so sick and tired of There are some coaches out there, they will not tell you how to do anything. A lot of people just don't know simply how to make an email, like a welcome sequence to their freebie. It's like action item, create a lead magnet. They're like, yes, I'm sorry, what? Yes. And so I wanted a lot of how to. I also wanted mindset to be in there. Biggest problem that most entrepreneurs are going to have is getting out of their own way. I wanted to be able to coach people. And Um, and just to speak to that, that never goes away. You still have... Oh, I, I still you have, have multiple coach. coaches. Oh, yeah. yeah. I have multiple coaches now. Like, I have coaches for different areas of my life because I just really value it. And I also wanted them to get marketing help because in an online space, if you're going to be making some money, you've got to learn some sales stuff. And none of us came out of the womb, natural salespeople, knowing how to build web pages and all that. So I really wanted there to be something where people could feel like they're getting genuine help and then also that community. One of the things I knew is that the whole time that I was building my business, it felt very lonely. I have you, but I don't have a ton of friends who I can just sit around and talk about, you know, like our gripe about entreport or, you Mm -hmm. know, whatever's going on in our business. So I wanted to include all those things. And so that's kind of what we do now. We like to think of us as the affordable one-stop shop for that brand new online business owner who is tired of buying $2,000 courses and them only addressing one issue, or the next step is I need to hire a 25000 to X amount of $1,000 coach and not really get all the help that I need. I just wanted to be that person. It's going well. I mean, I enjoy it. I love it. Yesterday was our marketing hot seat call. So my marketing person, every month she does a call and she brings up sales pages. 
She'll bring up emails. People submit ahead of time and she just tears them apart. It's like, change this, change this, change this. And then that means everybody in the membership can now watch those and they can look at their sales pages. It's like, I want them to be on that fast track of education that I, it took me 15 years to build. So I'm just trying to curate the best of that knowledge in there. Yeah. And y'all just did your first in-person event as well, which was incredible. Such amazing women in the room and on the stage. And I love how honest you are when it comes to business, telling people you don't need to be spending money on that right now. Or like, why are you worrying about that? And even just being a consultant for you and working with your team, I've learned a lot from you and from Chris, especially about really making sure you're not worrying about problems that you don't have yet. And you're really looking at the data and you're really making sure that you're making wise decisions. And I think just that education of business ownership is what people need in order to be able to build a team and scale. And they're getting that inside of the membership by default because that's how you operate. And that's like, we were talking about this when I was meeting with your team at your house not too long ago about profit and loss. Do you know how to run a financial report for your business? How do you work backwards from the money that you need in your pocket to figure out what you need your revenue to be and then how many people you have to get in? And okay, so what's my conversion rate? Really helping people work through that, I think, is incredibly valuable. How do people find out about the membership? I know they can't get in anytime they want, which is... We just changed it. We did. I'm really big on experimentation. That first year, I wanted to be open all the time because that's what we had changed over into the weight loss. And so this year, I want to test open-close, see how that works. I'm just always willing to test anything. But no, you can't get in whenever you want to. But you can go to nobs.ceo. And there's information there about like when our next opening will be. You can probably find our free resources and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Nobs.ceo. If you're listening to this podcast, you need to be in that membership. I'm just telling you, there's probably one you're in right now that isn't giving you any value you're not using. You need to invest in this one for sure. Well, Corinne, thank you for spending time with me. I know we have a thousand other things we could talk about, so I'll have to have you back again. Well, I appreciate again. it. This is a great interview. So, like, I was just sitting there thinking, you do so good. <laughs> uh, you know, my childhood dream was to be Oprah when I grew up. Like, I wanted to be a talk show host. Oh, and wow. so I don't know why it took me so long to start a podcast, too, because I was like, man, I love interviewing people. Yeah, you do great. And my dream has been to have lunch with her. So <laughs> look at that. Well, I'll just become Oprah. And then, there you know, you where we go? We'll, we'll make it I'll happen. I'll be your Gail. I love it. (laughs) Gail to my Oprah. Thanks, friend. Thank you. Hey, if you're serious about creating a thriving online community, then you need to really understand the four foundations of every thriving community. I'm going to teach it to you in a free seven-minute training. That's right. It's just seven minutes. You don't even have to give me your email address to get access. All you have to do is go to freecommunitytraining.com or DM me the word training over on Instagram to get access. Hey friend, thanks for listening. If you like this episode, make sure to subscribe. Then do me a favor and leave a review letting me know what you want to hear more of. To learn more about the show or connect with me, head to shanalyn.com. That's S-H-A-N-A-L-Y-N-N.com. Until next time.